We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So what we're going to do now is we are going to go to Elspeth, who's going to bring us the word for today. Over to you, Elspeth. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And good morning, everybody. Um, so Jamie and I are going to be tag teaming this morning and talking about God's open handed generosity, his heart of love and relationship and how we might in turn share with others out of the abundance that he has given to us. So I hope you can all see that screen. I'm going to start in Luke 3 verse 11, which says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Now, over the years as a church, we've built relationships across the world in Sierra Leone, Zimbabwe, the Caribbean, Peru, the USA, um, a number of other places too. And we've really been richly blessed by these relationships. Um, if you think about last week, for example, being able to receive God's word from Terry King, who's based in the, in the States. And we've gained much as we've pulled out what God has given to us across the, across the network. But here at home in the UK, our relationships have tended to be more with people who are in our governing systems, like local authorities, um, MPs, um, more recently in health and so on. And we've really sought to bring influence to those systems that govern us. And we continue to do that, of course, in a variety of ways. And of course, God's also reminding us about his desire for those people to know him and for us to be open to share him with them too. But while we've built extensively within governing systems, we haven't tended to build so strongly with other churches. And we've, we've known for some time that God's been pressing us to be open-handed with all that he's given to us as a church. Um, contributing that to the the rest of his church so that they might benefit from what he's revealed to us. Last summer I benefited greatly from joining in a few Zoom calls that were hosted by um, the Gather UK network and my ears really pricked up at one point when um, two or three of the facilitators said it's time for us to lay down our logos and our egos. And it really resonated with me, which is a bit curious for someone who's a comms person. But through those calls, I met a guy called Mark Pugh, who leads a church down in Exeter. And he'd felt God to call him to put an invitation out to other local churches to him to pray for their area. And I just asked if I could spend an hour or so with him on Zoom. Um, just hearing how God had used them, hearing his heart and um, learning from him, really. And Jamie and I joined him. And as we were talking to him, he made a throwaway comment that really stuck with me. Um, It was a few weeks into the first lockdown and they'd learned a lot of technology as a church, Um, knowledge that they shared freely with other churches, including us. We really benefited from it as well. And he said, Whenever one of my tech teams learns something new, I always get them to blog about it. Now, blogging about your knowledge is a bit of a common marketing technique. So I pressed him for his reason and he came to the verse which I started with. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. And he went on to say, I believe it's wrong not to share what God has so freely given to us. 
And I, I think what I really picked up was a real understanding of the generosity of the father's heart and understanding that the skills and the ability that God had put in his team was not something to be consumed by them alone, but something to be really celebrated and shared and gifted to the rest of God's church and a real recognition of abundance as well. And I guess that's my first point, to be generous with others, we have to recognise the abundance and um, provision and, and revelation that God has given to us. And it's a funny thing, but there's a real fine line of understanding between sharing out of abundance and sharing out of desire maybe to promote, to promote us as a church perhaps. And externally they can look really similar, but the heart is really different and it's the heart of God, of course. And um, this verse, John 3, 16, for, so, for God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave of himself, he gave his best, he gave freely, without any demand for return, but he certainly had a desire for us to return, a desire for relationship, because he loves us and he knows um, he, knows he, he has what we need. And I really want this to be my heart too. It'd be really wrong to keep what God has so freely given to us because this might be a means of grace for somebody else. And then think about this story. Um, the boy with the two loaves and the, and the five fish, that famous story of the feeding of the 5,000 in uh, John 6. That little boy recognised that there was a need and he responded to Jesus and he trusted and he gave what he had. And the thing is, of course, there was a miracle that happened, a miracle of multiplication. Um, the wider need was met. But the boy himself probably only spoke to a handful of the people that day who benefited. Many of the 5,000 probably didn't even know that the original source of their food was a small boy's lunch. And I, I wonder who spoke to that 5,000th person? Probably not the boy, maybe not even one of the disciples, 5,000. And it was, was 5,000 was only the men, by the way. 5,000 is a lot of people. So the point was that the boy recognised he had something that he could share and he gave it regardless of what might must have seemed um, like a really overwhelming task. But everybody got what they needed and God was glorified. It wasn't about the boy. It was about Jesus supplying their need. So over to Jamie. So in order to be generous like that in that verse, we've got to recognise that we've got two shirts. And I think for, for us, sometimes that's a problem because it's easy to take for granted what we've got and just assume that everyone's got the same thing. Sometimes we fail to grasp the significance of what God's doing in us and through us as a community. And I really don't want us to miss what God is doing right here in the midst of us. We want to be able to spot his hands at work and celebrate it, just like in Psalm 118, verse 23, where it says the Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. We want to be able to celebrate the things that God's doing amongst us. So that's, um, I did a little interview with, with my dad just to try and get how, how have we seen that heart of generosity running through who we are as a community. So if we just play that video with, with John, please. John, you produced a book a few years ago called Heart Set on Pilgrimage. What was your reason for producing that book? 
Well, obviously, the first reason was because I felt that's something that God would have us do. Really behind it was the idea that we'd like to be available to share with others who wanted to build a kind of, uh, that kind of relational community, uh, which we believe more accurately demonstrates what God is like. And looking at some of the sort of foundational things that we did just helps to illustrate uh, what we were aiming to do and the uh, whole idea of community rather than a meeting-based environment. And that same attitude of giving what we've got to help others came up again when you and I were having a conversation um, where one of the one of the people in our church was saying they got lots of friends that are part of these different churches but feel a little bit lost during the pandemic and aren't quite sure where they belong and how they fit in. Do you remember what you'd said at the time about what we could do for those people? Yes, first of all concerned that people would be <clears throat> a bit lost in this difficult time but then recognising that our purpose is not just to build a a big grouping or congregation or whatever, but to actually see people equipped or encouraged in their walk with God. So I think I said, well, feel free to invite them to join in for a period of time. And then when things get back to how they were, if they want to go back to where they were, then that's fine. And we would have, as it were, blessed them on the journey. I've, I think cooperation um, is, is, is better than trying to, um, I don't know, com com compete with, with people. We're, we're not in a competition business. Mm -hmm. One of the other words that has been over this church for many years has been uh, to pour out the oil. Can you just describe what that has meant in reality? Yeah, you see, pouring out the oil really was, uh, the basis of that was, was giving freely, giving without expectation of return. So we, we therefore set out to do what God gave us to do, um, to, to give without expectation of return. Well, particularly looking to build some vast network, if that's the way God does it, well, that's fine. But to be willing to give, to those whom God was joining with us and uh, to help them and encourage them on their way. It seemed to us to be a more biblical basis. So you, you can hear it there, that heart to, to give freely. But first of all, we've got to have grasped that we've got something worthwhile giving. And I really want God to spark a curiosity in us to help us understand what has he put in each other? What has he put in us and what has he put in this community? That curiosity causes us to ask questions of why have we done it this way and not that way? Why invest in this and not invest in that? These questions help us get God's mind together and can help us on the journey. Just as Dad talked about the pouring out of oil there, that actually comes from 2 Kings 4, which is a, a story about a woman that was told to pour out the oil that she had, and it filled every container. It's just a small bottle of oil, just kept on, it was just a miraculous supply. And the message 
on that is that God, God is our source. So we don't have to fear depletion or if someone doesn't reciprocate what we've done for them because he is our source and he's never going to leave us in want. And when we've got that kind of attitude, it means that we can be recklessly generous with what God's given us. Um, I also had an interview with Prince um, just trying to get an example of this is what what it looks like to, to have these relationships and, and how they start and how they actually feed back to us over time. So if we could just have the Prince video now, please. This is Prince. Prince is from the West African nation of Sierra Leone. During the 1990s, there was a brutal civil war in his country and the war was had detrimental impact on children. Many children were drawn into the fighting and Prince, you were abducted and forced to become a child soldier at the age of 15. You were rescued by Richard Cole, who brought you to the Lifeline Nehemiah Projects. Then over the, the years, Lifeline Nehemiah Projects rehabilitated about 800 young people traumatized by war. In 2006, Richard Cole, the visionary of the work and a father figure for you and many of the other young people suddenly died. And the years after his death were very difficult with a lot of infighting between the adult leaders who were left behind. And it looked to us in the UK that everything that Richard Cole had built was falling apart and our connection with Richard's vision was hanging by a thread. In 2009, Nathan took a team of five youth leaders to Sierra Leone to run a youth leadership conference. And we'd hoped to find something left of Richard's vision. We found you and we started a friendship. Could you give us a few of the highlights of how your friendship with, with us as Lifeline Church has been significant for you? Um, around 2009, a few of the senior boys, we are trying to keep things going um, at the Lifeline Neymar project. Um, but we were looked down upon by all other adults. Um, they don't consider our needs of welcome, our involvement. But right from the beginning, you guys, when I say you guys, the Lifeline Network International, the UK team, um, saw potential in us and built our confidence. Just knowing you were um, there for us, praying with us, listening to us, you were there um, to give us courage to continue with the good work. We learned together, God used you to restore us when we had made mistakes. And I mean, there were a lot of mistakes that were going on, um, but the team in UK um, believed in us and stood by us to really restore um, back to what God has called us to do. You helped me get ready for marriage and fatherhood. Um, you stood with us to Ebola, which was really, really um, tough time for us. In 2017, when the team was struggling in Sierra Leone, um, I wanted to, to give up. You guys were always on the end of the phone and you brought my whole family to the UK. We, are, we got the foundations in place so we could all serve God together. And now, as we get to build our first home, you are helping us financially. It's, it's incredible when we look back to see how God's allowed us to be part of some of the very key parts of your life. 
Um, I was once asked if if I thought charities and should work in around or through conflict zones and I just didn't know how to respond to that question because when I think of you as my friend war came and went but the friendship remained and what we as a church and me personally have gained from you and our relationship with you you you've brought some hard truths to me in a very loving and no-nonsense prince way um you've shown me what it means uh, to to endure um, one of your phrases that you always say is um, you've had to learn to swallow the bitter pill for the sake of development and I had no idea what you actually meant until after in some of these situations and I've always been provoked by your faith you often say to me when God says yes nobody can say no um, Prince you often say that the relationship that that we have has reaped benefits with those that we might never actually meet. I wonder if you could give a, a an example of this. Um, God always makes provision for his children, but um, I want to believe based on the relationship we have as um, humans, he makes provision through that. If we hadn't had the friendship, um, the real friendship, we had with you guys, we wouldn't have received the funding to deliver the training we have in Punduru and therefore wouldn't have been recognized as peacemakers by the community elders and therefore um, invited to mediate in disputes that could have tore the community apart. The second one would be um, my wife Mary having experienced your unconditional love when i say i'm referring to um, the team in the uk your conditional love while um, we are in the uk is now um, replicating this to other women here i think that's another benefit that's not only benefiting now the williams family but also benefiting so many other people that we are coming in contact with um, the other thing would i would say is that I now sit on committees and make decisions that affect over 100,000 of people because you believe in me when no one um, else did. I hope you would have heard in that interview that the long-term nature of the relationship, how the cascading impact of that relationship has affected people that we'll never meet as a community and the mutual benefit i'm sure we've all been blessed by something prince has brought us or just being part of the journey with him and that's that's the result of generously giving and pouring out what we had um over back to elspeth please okay Thanks, Jamie. So, um, as I mentioned at the start, as a church, we've had many friends over, overseas, and obviously Prince is, is a significant one of those. And we benefit from those relationships in a wide variety of ways. Um, just think about Misha's testimony this morning, for example, or, or Oleg. Uh, um, a couple of weeks ago, he'd heard Kim's testimony 
and God used it to bring revelation to him in, in relation to his work. And in turn, of course, God used him to remind us that we must never give up telling others um, how God has met our needs and no matter how insignificant we might think it, it is, you never know how God might use it, um, you know, how God might use your story or how God might use our story to help someone else. Over the past couple of years, Avril has been helping a particular charity um, by serving on their board of trustees and the charity is based in Manchester and she's been very, very able to help them, brought some, some significant support to them and did so willingly. But while she did that, she did also think it was a little bit random geographically um, being in Manchester, but nevertheless, she felt it was something that God had given her to do. What she didn't know at the time was that the connection she's formed there was one that God was going to use to help us um, to shape our contribution in the local, some of the local health um, system that we're, we're getting involved with here in Barking and Dagenham. So she's poured out, but further down the line, we're benefiting as they've willingly and, and freely given their expertise to us. So relationships have formed, but over the past 40 years or so, we've walked quite a lonely path in terms of friendships with people in the UK. And it's not because we haven't wanted friends. It just hasn't always worked because, of course, you know, we feel that what God is calling us to isn't necessarily about an external show of unity by doing stuff together with other local churches or almost for the sake of it we'd never want that but it is about loving and giving freely um, being open to the direction of the holy spirit and the mutual benefit um, that in you know brings god's blessing and and generosity in return so i'm just going to bring martin smith in at this point martin's just going to talk to us about how this has played out for us here locally and as you listen to the story just mull it over and be open to God nudging you about friends or family members who might gain from our journey so Martin thank you oh it's the wrong Martin <laughs> that's Lorraine quick bring me back there we go that's me there was a shock Lorraine wasn't it <laughs> so um over the last few years, working at Lifeline House, I've noticed groups of people coming through um, on um, uh, sort of days to come and see what Lifeline as a church had been doing. Um, and um, I've been involved in organising tours around whether it was Lifeline School or going to the hub or the coffee shop or whatever it was. And it was a couple of years ago, and I, I, I think it was during uh, the first week of prayer, and I really felt a very strong nudge to invite my dad's church, and particularly my sister and her husband, Steve, just to come and see what we were doing, because I knew that they were looking uh, to do something in the community, um, being based over in Romford. And I just felt a very strong urge that actually, if they came and see what we did, that may just help them um, decide what they were going to do. So we arranged a day, and in the end, it was, it was my sister and uh, her husband, Steve, uh, and my dad, and a couple of the other leaders, they came and spent a day with us and uh, we went round, uh, they got time to talk to um, Ellsberth and then we went round to, uh, down to Lifeline School to see what we were doing there. We went over to the hub 
to see all the different activities that was going on there. Uh, and even around to the coffee house um, for lunch. And, but even just in that, talking to Amanda to hear the heart behind um, all the different things that we were doing. And um, they were all quite impressed and quite excited and they ran off. Um, and I think at that point, something obviously birthed in them about what they could do. And I know that within a short while afterwards, they'd signed a, a, a contract to, for a one-year lease on a restaurant bar in the middle of Romford Market, um, where they were going to do all sorts of outreach type stuff. Um, and um, I hear, even now I hear that people uh, that used to go there on a regular basis are still in touch with, uh, with Joe and Steve, uh, just to, you know, say, when are you going to reopen? We're missing you and things like that. But for me, it was just, it was just responding to that nudge of, what about your sister? What about the church there? What about your dad's church? See what they, just invite them along and see what happens. And that's what I did. So back to Elizabeth. Thanks, Martin. It's interesting, isn't it? We won't ever know those people that Martin's sister and brother-in-law um, come into contact with, but it doesn't matter. Something was birthed in them and that, that's really exciting. Um, <clears throat> Some relationships like Prince, of course, are sustained over a number of years and others are shorter or maybe more fleeting. But if you think about the way that Jesus gave of himself to people, the Bible often talks about the way he was moved with compassion. Um, and yet some of those, those encounters might be quite short. If you think about the woman at the well, for example, there was certainly something he brought to her and she then took to the rest of her, her village. Um, and others are longer, more of a journey together, like, like we've talked about with Prince and um, think about Jesus and his disciples. But they're kind of marked with that encounter with God and his, his God's love, his open handedness, that willingness to get involved in people's lives and people's journeys and to serve. So in order to be open handed with those who might want to gain from what God's so freely given to us, we're making a few changes. And you might have noticed, for example, that things on our website are becoming more shareable. And we're also trying to make it easier for you to understand why there's a particular emphasis on things that Jamie mentioned earlier. Ask those questions. Why? Why do we do it this way? Because um, it really helps to reveal the heart. Um, and that's, of course, because there are people out there who are looking to connect and find a body of people to journey with for a while. And that might be an individual. So there was somebody who got in touch with us via the website just recently. They were in another continent and they were coming to work in Dagenham. They were looking for a church and they tripped over us and, and felt that we could be a bunch of people who they could journey with. So that's exciting. But it also might be another church like Martin's um, sister and brother-in-law who are just kind of processing how they might get from A to B. Um, in fact, one of my friends from another church just contacted me yesterday to ask more about something I'd talked to her about probably three or four years ago. So you just never know. Back to Jamie. So we, um, we don't have it all together, but we do have stories of his faithfulness in our weakness. And we don't need to be particularly um, focused on what we we have, if it's big enough, so that the boy and the disciples, they didn't have enough to feed 5,000, but they did 
they, they gave what they had. And that's what we want to be. So here, here's the call to action. We want to become more curious as people to find out what is God up to in amongst us? Do we actually know the, the reason behind it? We want to catch God's heart of generosity. We want to celebrate what he's doing amongst us that he would help lift our eyes to, to see. And then that we would begin to think and be moved like Martin was to think, what have I got that, that could be a resource to others? How, what, what have I got to share of us? So that's a call to action. Right. Back to you, Rich. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Um, so that was really good. Thank you also, Elspeth. I really like the fact that because God loved, he gave. And that's really what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to give out of what he's given to us. We're called to pour, pour out the oil. That's the word that we've received and we always go back to as a church. And the exciting thing is that God's our source. We don't need to fear becoming empty. We can be recklessly generous. And there was that question, how might God use our story? So there was what Martin was doing, where actually he chose to, to share with his family what God's been doing. We don't want to keep what God's given us just in the church. God wants to pour it out all over the place. And even in the testimonies over the last few weeks, we've been hearing about how God's been impacting people at work. But actually, he wants to be having an impact in those different places, in other different people that we're in relationships with, regardless of whether they're the people down the road, people we work with, or someone in Sierra Leone. In Martin's story, he was saying about how he was getting nudged by God. Let's not ignore those nudges. Let's be quick to respond to them. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.